February 25th. Our reading in the New Testament for today will be from the book of Mark, chapter 24, and we'll go through chapter 8, verse 10. And here's what we'll find there. We'll be reading about distance. Jesus healed both the centurion's servant and this woman's demonized daughter and did both from a distance. Both were Gentiles, not Jews, and the Gentiles were at a distance spiritually. But Jesus would erase that distance at the cross. Now, as you pray for those far from you or far from the Lord, remember that He can send His Word and do mighty works. We'll read about deliverance. The miracles of healing uh, the deaf man and healing the blind man are recorded only by Mark. Both were in Gentile territory, which would interest his Roman readers. Both were performed away from the crowd, and both were performed despite difficulty. The servant, capital S in this regard, the servant can work at a distance or when we bring people to him, and he does not fail. And as we move into chapter 8 here, the book of Mark, we'll be reading about defective faith. The disciples didn't know what to do with the hungry crowd, yet they had seen Jesus feed the 5,000. They apparently soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. Each work that he does should encourage you to trust him to help you solve your next problem. Keep a long memory for his mercies and a short one for your failures. And now let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. February 25th, Mark chapter 7, verse 24, through chapter 8, verse 10. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He tried to keep it secret that he was there, but he couldn't. As usual, the news of his arrival spread fast. Right away, a woman came to him whose little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. She had heard about Jesus, and now she came and fell at his feet. She begged him to release her child from the demon's control. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should help my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are given some crumbs from the children's plates. Good answer, he said, and because you have answered so well, I have healed your daughter. And when she arrived home, her little girl was lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left Tyre and went to Sidon then back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him to a private place away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then, spitting onto his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue with the spittle. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and commanded, be opened. Instantly the man could hear perfectly and speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. For they were completely amazed. Again and again they said, 
Everything he does is wonderful. He even heals those who are deaf and mute. About this time, another great crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home without feeding them, they will faint along the road, for some of them have come a long distance. How are we supposed to find enough food for them here in the wilderness? His disciples asked. How many loaves of bread do you have? He asked. Seven, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found, too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to pass them out. They ate until they were full, and when the scraps were picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and he sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. We'll see as we read today, as David lay sick, he looked back and recalled that he'd been merciful to others and had helped the poor. This encouraged him, for he knew that God would help him. God is merciful to those who show mercy to others. When you're in pain, it's good to have a clear conscience to encourage you. Then David looked around and saw that his enemies were gossiping about him and wishing he were dead. Even his close friend turned against him. If this happens to you, keep in mind that it also happened to Jesus. Greater than the pain of sickness is the pain of having a treacherous so-called friend. And finally, in his uh, looking around, uh, David looked up, and that solved his problems. No matter what others may say, God was well pleased with David, and that was all that mattered. Let David's enemies spread their gossip. God would raise him up, hold him up, and brighten him up with the light of his countenance. Sometimes how you feel depends on where you look. Verse 1, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Paul is writing from prison when he says that. We know from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as well as the 16th chapter, chapter of Acts that the Philippian church was poor and afflicted. So the writer is in prison, the hearers are poor, being afflicted, and he says to them, Rejoice in the Lord. Which means, I know you don't have circumstances that are worth rejoicing in. I don't have circumstances that are worth rejoicing in. I am not asking you to glorify your circumstance. I'm asking you, 
be happy in Jesus. I'm telling you to be happy in Jesus. So the first thing we hear is treasuring Christ means count Christ so much more important and so much more precious and valuable than your circumstances that in bad circumstances you may be happy in him. That's what it means to treasure Christ. And when we say do it together, we mean we need to help each other. Got to help each other do this. Verse 2. He warns them about those who made circumcision the basis of their acceptance with God. Or you could add any religious rite or practice you want. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, the circumcision. For we are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. What do you mean by that? Who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So this time he doesn't say, Rejoice in the Lord. He says, Glory in Christ Jesus. Literally, exult in Christ Jesus. Literally, boast in Christ Jesus. These people, these dogs, these people that were mutilating, doing circumcision in order to impress God and solidify their standing in grace, were like the Pharisee. In Luke 18, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this publican. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I have. He's thanking God, and his boast is what God is helping him do to perform these proper rituals. That's his boast. And Paul says, no. It's a dog-like way to relate to God. We will glory not in ritual or performance or ethnicity. We will glory in Christ. Christ will be all to us. That's what it means to treasure Christ together. Together meaning we help each other. Help each other. Verses 4 to 6, he lists the religious and ethnic distinctives in which he could boast if he wanted to. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, get this. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. And he said, it means nothing to me. That's a pretty good pedigree. That's a good ethnic pedigree, Hebrew of the Hebrews. And it's a good religious pedigree. Zeal unsurpassed in my generation. Garbage. 
verses 7 and 8. Whatever gain I had, and he's referring to that list. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Just knowing Him is more valuable than all my pedigree, all my ethnicity, all my religious performances. Knowing Him surpasses the value of all of that. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David. All the joys of those who are kind to the poor, the Lord rescues them in times of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and eases their pain and discomfort. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. They visit me as if they are my friends, but all the while they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst for me. Whatever he has, it is fatal, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again, so I can pay them back. I know that you are pleased with me. For you have not let my enemy triumph over me. You have preserved my life, because I am innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Bless the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives forever from eternal ages past. Amen and Amen. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their calamity. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin.